need a sick bay. Ace hates the recording bot, is what he's saying. Um, <laughs> welcome to episode nine. Uh, I am Mira, your host. I am here with Hayes, who hates uh, Craig the recording bot. You should edit that, edit that in at the start. They need to know what it sounds like every single time. It's frightening. Does it frighten you? Uh, no. No. Because I'm the one who types join, so I know that it's going to come immediately. <laughs> it, 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 just, it sets me on edge so, so many times. <laughs> It's a good way to start the show. <laughs> We're also here with McFreeze. Hi, what's McFreeze, going what are, on? what are your opinions on the Craig bot? It's a helpful bot that makes me not have to do anything. I like I like it that it uh, says it so that I know when to start talking personally. Anyway, uh, we've got a show for you today. Uh, it's a it's a day late. Sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties, but we are we are here and we're here to talk about episode. What is it? 17. Episode 17 of season one, When the Bow Breaks, and episode 18, Home Soil. Um, Mm -hmm. And before that, we have some emails. We finally got some emails. Yay! Yeah. I'm so excited about this, especially (laughs) because I know what one of them is about. Damn it. (laughs) Okay, let's just just go. This this email came in from a friend of the show, Miracle Butt. I'm going to paste it here. Hey, why don't you read this for us? It gives me... This is BS. It gives me, quote unquote, no pleasure to report that Hayes is correct about the Mars attacks aliens. And uh, then a screenshot is posted of these Mars attacks aliens. I believe what the conversation was about. uh, This doesn't have any context to it, but um, I believe I was saying that, like, yeah, the the Mars attacks aliens look super all skeletally and like skeletons and such. And I think you were saying they looked more like generic gray men is that what it was no that wasn't at all uh oh we talk about the, the height of them <laughs> the height of them so, the I, I genuinely thought that's what it was about well because we were talking we were comparing them to the binars in the binary episode and uh you were saying that they, they kind of look like the mars attacks aliens because they're short and stuff oh, and yes. i was like oh no aren't they real tall and i was wrong they're not real tall they do have giant heads though well they are towering. He is towering over all the other people. No, they're all sitting down. They're sitting, right. they're no. sitting yeah. down in, in <laughs> yes. pews or yeah. something. Yeah. I don't know. He looks pretty big to me. He's like at least five foot. Well, it's weird because their height is kind of offset by their giant brains. And so like if you measure by like cranium, they're kind of comparable. But like from their just like their their position of like where they are, they you're they're always like looking up to humans. Yeah, and if you look at the one in the background too, I think the one in the front is like the leader, so he's got a bigger brain, so he looks taller. But the mm. ones in the back, like you can see that uh, standing up, they're almost to the seated position of that guy next to them. So they're just, short; they're they're little guys. I also re- remember looking similar to the size of the two kids that steal these super soaker laser weapons and start fucking blasting aliens all, all over the place. So, like the same size as those kids. What a great movie! I love Mars. Didn't you Attacks. just rewatch it Saturday? You said. <sighs> Okay, I assume yes. just so you could be like, yes, I was right. The aliens are short. No, no I actually had totally <laughs> forgotten about that conversation. I was just fucking watching Mars Attacks. I, I love Mars Attacks. <laughs> it's a good movie. The part where the, 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 uh, the Washington Monument is like falling down. And the aliens prevent it from falling down just so they can slam it on a bunch of people running away. <laughs> <laughs> That's called, um, you know, terrorism. It's a slightly terrorism. Also, Jack Nicholson is the president, and that's good because now I just think of it as Drill being the president. (laughs) God. (laughs) Do you guys do that? Do you associate Twitter Drill with just Jack Nicholson now? Like, they're linked in my mind forever. I I don't see enough of Jack Nicholson to think about it. I don't see enough Drill to think about it. (laughs) 
you're both, you're both missing out in life. All right, let's move on to the next email. We got another email here. I'm going to read it. Uh, it says, uh, hello, it is I, Wacky Deli of Discord fame. I am enjoying the podcast and felt the need to, um, actually, your explanation of the holodeck. As noted in The Encounter at Farpoint, the holodeck uses perspective and force fields to make the fixed space seem larger. How exactly it does so is not explained, which means a wizard did it. A wizard that is probably not named Q. Uh, I had some other corrections, but I tend to listen in the car and didn't write them down. Anyway, enjoying the pod. Looking forward to the actually good episodes. Me too. <laughs> Especially in Me this episode. Too. <laughs> the, the jumping yeah. quality from season two to three is almost indescribable. He's right. It absolutely is, Hayes. I'm so excited for you to see season three. I'm looking but forward to it from a year from now. <laughs> thank you for the email, Wacky Deli. Um, I feel like we, 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 we did sort of like kind of get at that, but didn't right. really I felt explain like we, it that well. We kind of got there where it kind of like it's kind of obfuscated how the, it's like done. But yeah, it's done through like perspective and somehow it will move your position in, on the hollow deck. So you're not just walking in the walls all the time and feel like you're in a bigger space. Who knows how it accomplishes that? Who 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 knows? But it seems to do it. Well, it's still the force fields too. how it actually uses force fields to contain the space and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Computers. That's how it's it does. Made it. up. I it's think. Magic. I don't think this is real. Star Trek I, already treats computers and like science like magic, so this is no this is no surprise to me. <laughs> well, they are magic, basically. Okay, we got another one that's a sort of an email. It's a continuation from Miracle Butt. Let me paste it here because McFreeze is going to read this one for us, I believe. And I don't. Be- I don't believe I actually told McFreeze. Hey, you're reading this. So. Oh, there you go, McFreeze. See. Read that. Oh, it says. Forgot to mention in the email, but McFreeze was correct. Uh Uh-huh, okay. About the planet naming conventions. The star is the system name, and every planet is named sequentially according to its orbit. So Angel 1 would be the first planet of the Angel system, orbiting the Angel star. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, so how come we get to be Earth? Because we didn't know about outer space when we named the planet Earth, I think. I would not, but did the angel, did the people of Angel One, like, did their progenitors know? Like, they wouldn't have known. Then maybe, maybe they changed the maybe, name maybe, later. Maybe they just, maybe they're just number one. Maybe they actually call the planet, like, Furblafoblim, and uh, we just call it Angel One. They can call it Furby for short. Soul Three like is a pretty that. cool name, actually. That'd be, I'd be okay with that for a name as our planet. Yeah, I always forget our, our son is named Soul. It's a great name. I love that name. Love that. It's soul. a good name. It is. And then we also uh, we had a couple of uh, listeners tell us um, not through email, though. So I'm not going to name you. If you want your name, on, you got to email us at be at gmail dot com. But we had a couple of listeners tell us that uh, the reason that the Starbase looks so good in one one zero zero one zero zero one is because it's actually reused from the movies. That makes sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. They didn't they yeah. didn't spend that much money on just the TV show. They're like, hey, we have this model of the Starbase. We're gonna use it. It was a very big and detailed model. Yeah. It was extremely impressive for that episode. So yeah, it makes sense that it came from the movies. <laughs> I'm surprised Anyways. there isn't more re- reused stuff. Or there probably is a lot of reuse reuse stuff that I just am not not ever gonna be able to identify without like comparing a bunch of old shows I'm not gonna watch. <laughs> You're not going to watch the original series and then also all 5,000 movies they made from the original series? I've already and then take, in like 20 take years explicit notes. Only, only like seven movies. It's only like a million. I'm, I'm not watching them, so I'll take your word for it. 
Can we, so just, like, we're... can we just like watch Nemesis out of context? That'd be fun, right? Mm. Uh, it, no, it's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. That movie is nothing you could say about that movie would describe it as fun. I like First Contact. Uh, First Contact, I would actually say like that's a fun movie to watch. Nemesis is like will put you to sleep. If you're having trouble sleeping some night, put Nemesis on. I promise you. I was actually thinking it might be interesting to watch some of the older original series movies like between the seasons. Uh, if you want to do that, I I'm not. I don't really want to. Okay. <laughs> I I, kinda, I, think... I, I just kinda, I I figured it'd be fun just to watch like not like all of them, but I, I was just gonna watch like the original one, the Khan one, and the Spock one. Is that that's the think... one? I've seen enough videos, which is like three videos of Captain Kirk beating up some guy in a monster suit. <laughs> that was enough for me. I thought oh, the movies like are actually pretty, pretty good, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Not for the podcast, I don't think. I, I'm not into that. But All right, I'm fine with that. Um, maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. We still have a few more weeks before we finish season one. So I'm going to be hyped to go into season two, though, so I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that right now. Listen, ah, but we should you, probably you get, get through, through these. all these. You have to get through these exciting episodes, like that we saw today. <sighs> I'm excited um, to to have them not be on the show after today. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's just get through them. Let's uh, shall we? They're they're not that bad. They're but... fine. They're just some fine shows. I don't have time for these episodes. I want things to happen. God damn it. <laughs> hey, things sort of happen. I, I like Home Soil, but we'll talk about that after the break. Uh, we're first going to be talking about When the Bow Breaks, uh, which is episode 17. Uh, did I say 17? Episode 17, season one. Uh, first aired on February 15th, 1988, um, and was written by Hannah Louise Shearer, directed by Kim Manners. And the in-universe date is 41509.1 in the year 2364 of Soul Time. I'll just call it Soul Time now. That's what it is. Soul Three Time. It's like that song. I'm a Soul Time. Soul Time. time. <laughs> anyway, in this episode, uh, the children of the Enterprise get stolen, basically, by um, Space Atlantis. Yeah. That's the, that's the whole episode. <laughs> that's Thanks for watching. That's what it is. <laughs> Um, so what are you guys thoughts about this episode i thought it was kind of neat seeing a bunch of world building for a planet that we'll never see again ever 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 unless i'm wrong who knows maybe this planet does come back in which case some of the stuff they kind of build out about it might be a little more interesting but like not not a lot happens it's just kind of like them looking at like these kids get kidnapped they go on the planet you see what's happening on the planet for like 30 fucking minutes straight and then they get the kids back in the ships, and then the episode's over. I I have zero opinion about this episode. <laughs> I think I just don't like episodes with a lot of children in them. Um, I'm not crazy about children. <laughs> Mark hates kids. You heard it here. <laughs> I'm like Captain Picard in You're this a way. Picard. Yeah, and it happens. I There's thought no... it was it was nice to have a Wesley episode that also Wesley did not solve every problem in the show. I'll, I'll Which he usually this. does, even when it's not his episode. I, so I actually meant to write this down. This is like the rare Wesley episode where, like, he's like being like he's he's like a leader, but he's not like a universal problem solver. He's just kind of like there to kind of keep the kids like kind of together and like band them together. Which I liked. I thought he in that role. I thought he did a good job. Um, he, I wish he did that on the ship more. He he solved things on the ship more like that rather than just being. 
child that knows all the science about everything better than anyone else who's been doing it for yeah. their entire lives. I agree with that. I thought this was a good uh, a good showing from old Wes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's like a real person in this episode instead of like a Mary Sue like he normally is. And, th- yeah. and that's nice to see. And the show does eventually get to portraying him more as a real person later. But this was like the first glimpse of like, what if he was actually just a real like 15 or 16 year old kid and not a uh, fucking solving everything, know everything guy. Pushing engineers out of the way. I can do this. <laughs> and then he does it. He did it. I'm proud of him. Good job. Uh, so this episode starts. We have Riker walking down the hallway, getting called to the bridge. And he gets like run over by this little boy named Harry, who's just sprinting down the hallway at massive speeds. And his father, uh, who's Dr. Bernard, I guess, which there are other doctors apparently on the Enterprise. That other episode where they're like, uh, oh, Dr. Crusher's the only doctor on the Enterprise was bullshit. Well, uh, we also he's, do. He's, he's, he's not a, a medical a doctor. A scientific doctor. Yeah, he's not a medical doctor. Actually, I just remembered he's an oceanographer. But anyway, um, Wait, he comes. I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't remember that. There's only one medical doctor on the entire Enterprise. There are hundreds of people on that ship. That's what I was talking about when we when that episode came up. It was a Haven. Right. Because oh she was I'm really just... excited there was another doctor to talk about this stuff on, and it's like, do you really not have another doctor to ever talk about things with? That's insane. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't think it's accurate. It I think that it doesn't make any sense at all, but maybe everyone is just so healthy that it doesn't come up. <laughs> maybe I, think, they just I needed... feel like they write con that later. Like later there are more doctors on the Enterprise, but they're just in the first season they're like I remember at least one time it was like, here's other doctor who is also here and is a character in this episode only. <laughs> well i mean it, makes, it stands to reason like you can't have like a single doctor for an entire ship that's like not possible <laughs> no well and there's like five thousand people on this ship so no it's not yeah. it's not functional um but anyway harry is running away because he doesn't want to study calculus and noted harry is like six or seven years old he's he's that's how old he is so that kid. tells you something about the universe here his, his dad's like everybody's got to study calculus whether you like it or not right Again, he's I, like seven yeah no how is this baby learning calculus doesn't that's a good i think this is a good joke about the future i thought it was funny this is like a thing asimov does too where it's like well in the future everyone just knows math so well that you're learning calc by the time like you're learning to walk and shit it's like and then by the time you're like you know you're in your 20s you're doing super advanced uh super advanced calculations and all that shit like it's this idea in sci-fi that in, in the future, everyone just, is just a computer and they do super extreme computer math in their heads. When we would later figure out that, no, we just make computers do that. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily that as much as like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll confess here. I've never actually taken a calculus course in my entire life. But um, my understanding is that calculus is a lot more theoretical, right? And not so much like you're doing arithmetic in your head and stuff. So maybe it makes sense that in the future when they've got a better education system, that you teach it at a younger age. Well, I think like calculus one, I think is, I guess it's like, it's not, it's the there's enough that it's just like things that you can memorize that it's not super complex. Um, but I think it's, it is so a little, more. it's a little, optimistic to say you're gonna get through all of algebra and everything in the first grade yeah it, <laughs> you kind of need that 
it means that you're having to master arithmetic by the time you're like learning not to poop yourself anymore <laughs> like you know what i mean like yeah. well maybe they don't actually learn arithmetic anymore because maybe they do just have computers do all that stuff like maybe well, they just skip that arith- entirely arithmetic is a building block of algebra algebra is a building block of calculus it's like it's well, maybe- all these things that like you would need to learn these concepts but you can't learn them until a certain age and the, they take you know years for you know most kids to develop i don't know may, maybe in certain parts of the world people kids are learning this stuff way sooner i wouldn't be surprised but like it it seems hard for me to believe that like an 8 year old is learning calc 1 i <laughs> i believe in the ability to restructure education to make it more efficient and uh easier and we don't necessarily have to go step a to step b step c like we do now have faith in the future of star trek i i i just take it as more of a comedy comedy thing it's like oh in the future everything is so wacky like this yeah, i didn't take it as so comedy far at all. i didn't take it as comedy at all it felt more like a sci-fi thing in, in general like case was talking about with asimov and also i is... thought you were gonna say in the future maybe they don't poop themselves oh my god no, everybody does that in the future, but they have like robots to clean it up. That makes sense. Can they just use yeah. the trans? Do you think the toilets are just like there's no water or anything? Just, <gasps> you you yeah. just eat them away. You, you, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've probably. Se- you've seen those uniforms. There's no way you're getting out of that easily. <laughs> if, if you like, try to dunk someone in a space in an enterprise toilet, it just puts their head in space. They die instantly. <laughs> You can't flushy someone. You can't swirly someone anymore without killing them. This is you why they never show the toilet on the show. I'll do anything I want. <laughs> okay, Ace is going to do some swirlies. And yes, McBiz, you're right. That's why they never show the toilet. I do know that the showers don't have water. They, they use sonic showers. What does yeah. that mean? What? That is so they weird. Use sound. They use sound to wa- watch the dirt off of you, I guess. You I, just, don't, I don't know. You just blast unpleasant. the dirt off. It sounds so unpleasant. But it's more efficient and uh, better for the environment. We need to talk about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We do probably need to talk about this episode. So, uh, Riker goes to the bridge and uh, they're they're chasing a faint energy reading that seems to be leading them somewhere, but they can't figure out to what. But they're in a, a system that apparently has some myth attached to it. And Riker gets real excited because the myth is a space Atlantis called Aldea, which is literally described as a mythical world like Atlantis. But uh, it's been rumored for for thousands of years, but nobody's actually seen it. It's supposed to be cloaked and invisible, cloaked in darkness. Um, so, but they're they're chasing these uh, these energy readings here, and Troy suddenly senses thousands of minds very close. Which note that she did sense thousands of minds. So it's allegedly there's thousands of people on this fucking planet. Keep that mm. in mind, because <laughs> we see like what six people on the entire planet. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I, you know, it's probably more of a, a production thing than anything else. But then again, when Wesley looked at that one map, like, show me where all the kids are, and they're all like two rooms apart. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is a kind of a sci-fi thing that I like to complain about a lot. It was like we need to go to all different planets and stuff because this is space, but. A planet is way too big, so we just need to show one city. But wait, a city is way too big. We're just going to have one room full of people. That's going to be representative <laughs> yeah, maybe, of the entire planet. 
maybe three rooms if we're feeling real generous, but yeah. Very generous. Uh, uh, so they, they start to stop in an area when she says that, and uh, they zoom in on part of the screen where they're getting some reading from, and we see this, like, this dark orb planet kind of flicker into view, and they're like, oh, it's Aldea. It has to be. Um... So on the, on the bridge, Data's explaining the shield of the, of the planet is uh, magnetic. It's like a giant cloaking device. And Morph informs them that they're, they're being scanned. The Picard hails the planet, and they're immediately the hail is returned by a woman named Rochella. Who's, uh, she's in very colorful robes. She looks very pleasant and happy. And she's like, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we've hidden for millennia behind the shield, but, uh, but we're here today to talk to you about I- something. I actually described her as a, she looks like a Jedi almost. She kind of has that, that Star Wars gi on and like she has the, the brown cloak and she's got the, the ponytail. We have to talk about this hair. She's yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I didn't even really observe her hair. What's her hair she, like? Like on her left side, she has an undercut and it's kind of like short length on the top that is curled over to one side. And then on the opposite side, she has a it is like a Jedi ponytail. It is yeah. just like a long braid, isn't it? Like it a is, braid tied yeah. up or something. Yeah, something it's like just that. it's so asymmetrical and weird looking. I didn't really I, notice that. I don't. I guess would I like it. It's very alien. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was too weird. I, I, I was more. I was. I was more obsessed with her like weird gi that she had on. Did you like? Did you see that she had even? She even had like the the, the shoulders and everything is like. It's like she's got she's a Jedi. Yeah, it's very <laughs> nice and colorful. Yeah, yeah. I just thought she was a nice looking lady. Picard asks why they've chosen to reveal themselves now after after this long, and she says that they'd like to meet and talk about that. And he's like, Yeah, that's fine. And so then immediately alarms on the ship sound, and Rochella and another uh, another person, a man, beam aboard the bridge with their own technology. Uh <laughs> and she's carrying some flowers, and he's like, Oh, we mean no harm. And he's apparently the first appointee of the planet named Radu. Um, Dr. Crusher is like pissed off they didn't go through de- decontamination because I guess they could be diseased or whatever. Which, Which is I guess smart. Like, I mean, yeah, like they should have to go through, through de- uh, decontamination. You don't want just people on your ship out of nowhere. But on the other yeah. hand, I feel like they break this rule all the fucking time. So whatever. <laughs> well, I think it's just part of their normal transporter technology is decontamination. Oh, okay. I thought that's why you had the transporter room because they have to go through decontamination after they go through there or something. No, I think the when you're actually being like formed in the transporter, there's a decontamination process as part of that. I and see. that's why she was yeah. immediately like, hey, wait a minute. But they explained that uh, they wouldn't be able to use their transporters anyway because their ship is uh, or their planet is still shielded, even though it's not cloaked anymore. One, so one only their transporter. Thing. One subtle thing I like is that you you do actually see the difference between their transporter technologies, whereas the Enterprise uh, the en- Enterprise transporter, I guess it's just Federation transporters in general, it's kind of like the like blue vertical line effect where it kind of like waves in or waves out. But their transporter tech, it's a little bit faster, and it's just the, these like yellow kind of sparkles that you see briefly before people just kind of pop into existence. And again, yeah, it's, it's like, like fairy fast. magic. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's way faster. That's what the effects these- look like to me. Right. <laughs> you, you get the sense that like they they have way more advanced like teleporting tech which is a which is a subtle and neat thing yeah and they were talking about initially the planet's supposed to be like far more advanced technologically than uh and that's part of the myth about it is they have a much advanced technology from anybody else in the galaxy um mm-hmm. so that's why they're very excited to, to be here uh but they have been uh monitoring the ship's communication they already know everybody's name 
Uh, and um, they keep clutching their heads, though, and uh, Radu especially, saying that their eyes are sensitive to their bright lights, but they would love to talk to them down on the planet. Uh, and so they leave. And Riker points out that the Aldeans led them there on purpose. Um, and Troy says they want something from them greatly and are afraid they won't part with it as it is very valuable. But Radu hails them and says, hey, if you're ready to receive, uh, ready, we're, we're ready for you. And um, immediately they, they beam away uh, Riker, uh, um, Dr. Crusher and Counselor Troy. Sorry, for a moment I was blanking on their names. <laughs> and Picard's like, interesting choices. This is where you expect Riker to say, excuse me, in our culture, we would ask permission for such a thing. But he doesn't. He's no. just, just like, <laughs> okay, I'm here now. He's too excited he, to be in guess, Space Atlantis. Uh, he wants to be diplomatic, I guess, but he is kind of he's kind of perturbed a little bit. When they kind of mention that they're like, "Oh, we don't feel so well. The light, the lights are too bright here." Is that supposed to be like a uh, foreshadowing to like them having? You know, I don't want to spoil it. Yes, that is. But how? Is. I guess is I, I'm not really sure how the, what, what the connection is there. Well, they 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 say it out loud later. Okay. Yeah, Dr. Crusher later says that's one of their symptoms is sensitivity to bright light. Oh, I missed I missed that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, she she does say that, but also uh it's stupid because like on the planet, we we get lots of shots on the planet. It's just as bright down there. It's just not like dim bright. or anything. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> but anyway, um we we didn't see Wesley on the bridge talking to Data, uh and he's asking like, "Oh, how do they cloak their whole planet?" And Data's like, well, you know, it works similar to Romulan cloaking technology. It's a magnetic cloak, but it's just a much more difficult implementation, um, which it would be because it's an entire planet, I feel like. But he doesn't get very far in his explanation before a yellow beam of, of light and energy just suddenly appears on the bridge and just like sweeps, sweeps across on everybody and stops at Wesley and glows him up. And he's like, oh, no, no. Um, and Picard's like, don't touch him. It's super uh, loud that like it's like really alarming whenever it like comes on because it's like it's just as loud as you as it like possibly can be just burring onto everybody like burr, 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 and it like focuses on Wesley. Yeah, and they uh, all decks are being probed. They find and um, they can't reach uh, the commander on Hale. They're being blocked. Um, mm. The commander. Why did I say the commander? Commander Riker. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going by notes that I wrote uh, a couple days ago and I'm losing my mind. Uh, but the beam finally goes away. Wesley says it was scary at first, but he didn't feel anything from it. And Worf's like, oh, similar incidents happened at all decks, but it was only with the children. Dun, 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 dun. Hmm. wonder what that's about. Uh, on the planet. Here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the children. Um, but on, on the planet, uh, Radu is giving um, Riker, Counselor Troy, and Dr. Crusher a rundown of their past, saying... Uh, Previously, they'd been in, in a lot of war, but um, they uh, figured out uh, the peace process. They figured out how to get past the war, and now they all live very simply uh, and don't use a lot of resources mm -hmm. so that they can continue to live in peace. Um, but it's unfortunate because there's only uh, so few of them left to enjoy it. And uh, they're like, why? Why are there so few of you left? Um, and they're like, oh, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but what we need from you is help to rebuild uh, a younger generation of our planet to keep our traditions alive. And they're like, well, how can we possibly help you with this? And then they finally get to the, the point of, oh, we, we have no children. Rochella, who's a woman in like mid-20s, was the last child born on the planet. They can't have kids. So they want their children. And immediately the three of them are like, that's not going to happen. Nope, that's not, that's not going to happen. Troy says something really interesting here, that uh, humans are unusually attached to their offspring. 
Yeah, which I guess indicates that um, most alien races are kind of like detached to their offspring or just kind of sees them as like, well, that's the younger generation. You know, that's what like, you know, this one was birthed from, you know, our family or our unit. But like, we're not con- really that connected to them otherwise, which it's I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if I buy, buy that. that. Just, from, just from the Troy episode, I don't really buy that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah, that doesn't seem true of Veda Zed for sure. Um it is I feel like that's an interesting uh way to like try to differentiate humans in in sci-fi, you know? Like sometimes it's a really problem in sci-fi for them to make humans seem like an alien race of their own. Yeah. Uh and so humans just become like, oh, we're just an average race. So I guess this is trying to give them a a feature that other races don't have. And it's definitely probably true of some races like Ferengi for sure don't value their young really. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm trying to think of others. I guess do Vulcans value mm. their young? I don't know. I don't know. Anyone, who, anyone who in the would, world watched I the original don't series? Know. <laughs> say, I know. Okay, Cardassians definitely do not. Let's say no, Cardassians. Cardassians do though. In in a way, mm. like they have a very strong family structure, yeah. and Hayes is immediately going like, "Who the fuck cares about Cardassians?" We don't. That's true. That's something right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I just wanted to say that. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron uh, fucking ripped off this episode of Star Trek for Children of Men, goddammit. <laughs> what? I don't think that's fair. I was also thinking about Children of Men as I was watching this. I'm thinking like, God, that's a good movie. I wish I was watching that instead of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Children of Men rules. I wish this episode was more like Children of Men, but it's not. Um, but anyway, there's like, they, no, we're not. You can't have our children, no matter what, because they're, they're offering to give them uh, knowledge and technology that they don't have yet. You know, like, uh, like, oh, we'll give you whatever you need. That way, we just we need kids. That's and the worst like, thing yeah. about this episode is that like it's a great premise on on its face. They do nothing interesting with it. They're just like, we gotta rob the kids. <laughs> yeah, if you would if you would like this premise in a more interesting way, watch Children of Men. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a pretty good movie. Everyone knows about it, but just watch that. <laughs> well, this has like children in it. It does yeah. have children and it does have men, but boy, uh, uh <laughs> um so they uh immediately are like, Okay, well, we can't talk to you, so whatever, and they send them back to the Enterprise. But immediately as they, they are transported back to the bridge, Wesley on the bridge disappears and they get reports that other children on the uh, Enterprise disappear as well. Not all of them though. Just a few of them. <laughs> I don't know why. Hmm. They don't they, take all the kids on the Enterprise. They just they take only, like six of them. And it only took the white kids. They show they show like, you know, it's a multicultural ship and everything. They only took the white kids. It's a racist well, planet. It might be a racist planet. There's nothing to deny that in the script. <laughs> I honestly didn't even register that. But yeah, <laughs> that could be. Well, I mean, everybody on the planet is also white. No, to, no, I don't think it was like intentional. I think it was just, I, I don't fucking know. Uh, it might have been. Uh, you say everyone on the planet. How, how many people do you think we see overall, Merc? We see, let's see, we we see Radu, Rochella, Radu's wife, Duanna, um, mm-hmm. the, that other couple, uh, and the, the, they don't have to fucking give them names, I don't think. No, they don't. I don't think <laughs> and then, so. And then the old musician guy. So literally six people. We see six people on this entire planet. Yeah. Really, really scraping the bottom of the barrel, the, the cast, the, the alien cast this episode, episode. which is weird because um, in the uh, in the woman planet episode, what what was that? Haven? No. Angel, Angel one. Angel one. I'm sorry. 
in that there's like a ton of extras in that fucking episode. Well, relatively, I guess we get like, you know, some of those like meeting scenes, you see at least like 10 or 12 different people just hanging out in the background, but I guess they don't really have to act. They just get to stand in the back and look at the camera. Um, yeah, they, they blew the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, as opposed to this, where like, I guess every, every single person has like, like camera time where they're talking and having a scene and everything. So I don't know. They blew the cast budget, I was going to say, on this one, because they uh, they not only had the six people who talk on the planet, they mm-hmm. also had the parents of the children on the Enterprise. So there's like six or seven of those, and then uh, the children themselves. So I guess that's maybe why it, yeah, they didn't have any money to throw right. some extras in the planet, but they probably should have thrown yeah. some extras in the planet. They also, they also had to go get these cheap gold wine glasses from Goodwill. <laughs> 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 Let's see what what you do is you get the cheap glass wine glasses from Goodwill and then you paint them gold. That's that's the hacks. Mm. I can't afford gold paint. What is this? <laughs> um, so on the bridge, uh, Tasha's reporting that the planet's shield is still up and the hails are unreturned. Card selling Troy. Gather the parents. They're going to want to know what's happening, obviously. Uh, and then she's like, they're going to want to talk to you also, Captain. Uh, and Redu hails them and is like, okay, the children are with us and no harm will ever come to them. Don't worry. And Picard's like, harm has already come to them. He's very pissed off. Uh, but Radu wants to talk about compensation. And Picard's like, compensation? What the fuck? And calls them barbaric. Uh, Radu's in like, all right, well, I can't talk to you when you're like this. I'll talk to you later. And hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> these, these people are like, they're saying like, oh, we, we're not going to do this like some kind of monsters here we're gonna pay you for the children i mean come on we're not gonna gonna do we're not gonna do this without payment well Uh, so when when they they do kind of mention later on that like picard's like yeah like they're willing to give us compensation as a means to kind of throw us a bone but they're just as happy to cut us off if we don't accept it so i think i think it's just like within their own internal sort of like relative like moralism here that like we we can you know we'll give them something for the kids we're not just gonna we're not trying to rob them we don't have any choice but to take them but we'll 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 try to compensate them it's a fair trade it's a fair trade yeah they're trying to make themselves feel better about what they're doing basically yeah uh so on the planet wesley's there with the five other children that were there were i think it's like five children right um some of them don't talk those those are your extras i guess (laughs) it's the kids (laughs) that don't talk in this um and uh, Wesley's trying to comfort them because they're all younger than him. He's the oldest one by far. He's um, the only teenager. The rest of them, I think, are probably like 10 and younger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Redu, Rochella, and Joanna, Redu's wife, walk in and, and greet Wesley by name. And they're like, uh, the custodian informed us that you would be their leader. And, and Wes is like, who is the custodian? And, oh, it's not, a, it's not a person, but don't worry. It's not important. Um, all of them have been chosen because they're special, uh, which I guess means white. I don't know. <laughs> it's because they all have like, talents. Like there's the the artist kid and the musician kid, and Wesley's the Wesley kid. Yeah, yeah. they have superpowers. Yeah, yeah well, I really like they brought Wesley on just to be like the new leader of the planet. Like that is why they they brought Wesley down. They're like, you're gonna train to be our new leader. Well, if anyone can do it, it's Wesley. I Wesley. This, I believe he in is him. he is the best at everything. So except catching a ball. Uh, and on the Enterprise, the parents are, of course, very upset that their children are gone. And they're like, how are we going to get them back? And uh, and Picard's trying to tell them, like, well, you know, they, they want to negotiate for uh, compensation for the children. And they're like, what? Uh, but Picard's like, don't worry, don't worry. We're we're not going to leave without the children. We just need to keep them in negotiations. And 
um, Crusher in this point. She's like, look, we all knew the risks when we took on this mission. <laughs> it's like, this is very, uh, <laughs> very that's sympathetic of you. If your own kid also got taken, by the way. To be fair, a lot of silly shit happens to them on a regular basis. They have to know at this point. <laughs> that's a, it's just a pretty severe one, though. Like having your kids stolen. is Nobody expects that one. Normally, they're you know, afraid you... of their kids getting destroyed along with the ship. Exactly. Yeah, that's much <laughs> more understandable. You don't got to live with that. Then you're exactly. dead, too. <laughs> and on the on the planet, we have uh, Alexandra, who's the very young child. She's like a three or four year old girl playing with Rochella, hide and seek. And uh, Wesley and two other children are brought before Radu and the others. And they're like giving them away to uh, their units, what they call them, uh, which is people with similar skills that live together. And Wesley's like, oh, like a family. We already have families. Which I like. I like that. <laughs> he he um, was very good. He was like, oh, I get it. I think this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's like, does Captain Picard know you're doing this? And he's like, oh, they're like, oh, yes, yes. He's, uh, he, he knows all about this. And Wesley's like, I don't think so. I don't believe this. Um, but a, a couple comes up and then greets Harry, the, who, was, who was the boy who ran over, by the way, um, Riker at the beginning of the episode. The names are all going to get muddled up here. But a couple comes in, Grace Harry. They've been waiting for him. Uh, they're artists like he is. And he's like, I'm not an artist. Oh, but you are. We're going to bring it out of you and take him away. And then uh, another girl named Katie is given to an old man, which I <laughs> did not like this. Um, <laughs> but he's he's the <laughs> foremost musician on the planet. And she's uh, she was playing a harp when she was taken. So we know that she's musical. And they go she, away. She wasn't just playing a harp. She was playing a double harp. Is that what it was? I don't. It was a double know. harp. It was a dual-headed harp, like a small I don't know one. Shit about I, don't, I don't know what it was. I just remember that when she got zapped away, just someone just like threw it to the ground. <laughs> yeah, it just fell over <laughs> for no reason. Uh, and Wesley's going to be staying here with Radu, I guess. And and Radu's like, you really just have to accept this because we don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You're never leaving. And you have to, it's your job as their leader to make the other kids also accept this. And Wesley's like, fuck you. It's not. <laughs> this is the best Wesley's ever been where he's this just kind of like a rebel. Wesley. Yeah, no, I really like Wesley in this episode. It's definitely the, the highlight of this episode for me is how Wesley acts in it. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, Rochella and Alexandra, the little girl, run in and uh, Radu's like, oh, Alexandra's parents were waiting for her. And Rochella's like, no, they can't have them. She's mine. So they're just, like, and they're just like, okay. Yeah, they just accept that. Well, I guess what are you going to do? Away. This is like one of the five kids you've abducted to restart your entire plan's generation. I don't know if you should be like letting this lady screw up your plan because like it's a it's a dumb plan but at least like it's a plan so <laughs> but they know. don't they don't fight her on it they're like well i guess she stays with rochella whatever <laughs> whatever we're <laughs> chill about this so on the enterprise they're trying to figure out how to get through those shields and data has found that they like fluctuate randomly uh like it seems like they're they're failing randomly and uh there's holes that just kind of generate and they're all like well, if they know that there's this problem with them, why don't they fix it? You know, I think after thousands of years of having this technology, it would be foolproof at this point, right? Uh, so they just speculate about that for a second, which comes up later. Um, but uh, they think maybe they can punch through the shield that way. And Picard's like, okay, well, we have to keep negotiations open because as soon as they realize that they won't accept anything for the children, they will just uh, disappear and we'll never see the kids again. So no pressure. Uh, yeah, he's and like... They're going to lock us out forever. 
Dun, 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 dun. Which I don't know how they really at this point think that they're going to do that because um, like later there's a much more permanent threat about that. But they could just keep trying to punch through the shield even though the planet's cloaked. Like it's not like the planet's going anywhere. It's well, a fucking planet. Well, maybe they, they, they won't know how to get back. I don't yeah. know. That's fair, I, I guess. But then you can always just call on Starfleet to be like, hey, there's some fucked up shit happening. We just had all our kids stole. You should probably do something yeah. about it. Bring the entire fleet. We got to get these kids back. <laughs> you're, uh, so, um, you're, you're right. But, you know, there's got to be tension. So. Yeah, there does. And they do. They do actually write in a much, much more credible threat later. if They just didn't start that way. Uh, right. So Wesley is with uh, Duana, the uh, reduced wife, uh, meeting the custodian, who is just like the planet supercomputer. He's just a talking computer that sits in the room, and uh, they're giving Wesley level three clearance. And he's uh, like, "Oh, hello, Wesley. I'm the computer. No, I'm the custodian." Uh, <laughs> so Joanna explains that the custodian handles all of their base needs. Like basically, the the thing runs the entire planet so that they can all just fart around and do art, um, which is cool, I guess. Uh, and he's like, well, who built it? And it was built by their progenitors hundreds of centuries ago. So for thousands of years, they've just had a supercomputer running the entire joint. Um, and Wesley was trying to ask about the power source and, and she's getting annoyed. Like, why are you asking all these questions? It just works. And he's like, well, if you don't know how it works, if it breaks down, how do you fix it? And why would we need to repair it? She says, um, he's trying to explain that like every computer needs maintenance from time to time. And she's like, oh, that's silly. Just ask the custodian instead. He can answer your questions better than me. And so uh, he's like, okay, that's a good idea. And he immediately instead asks where Harry is. Merc. Hi, Hayes. Am I talking too fast? No, I was just going to ask you. um, Was the custodian built by Todd Howard? Why would Uh, Todd Howard build it? It just works. Oh, goddammit. Uh, <laughs> you know the you know the fucked up thing is I as I was writing that note, I remember thinking about that. How <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you all people not get that right away? <laughs> because I'm busy trying to remember what happened in this episode. Stop <laughs> talking about it. I remember thinking actually with the custodian. I was thinking like, when they introduced like, oh, it's a supercomputer that controls the entire planet. I was thinking like, all right, yeah. Great sci-fi is happening. It's gonna be an evil supercomputer, or it's flawed, or messed up. It's like got like sentience or something. All right, let's do something with this. This is this is yes. This is what I was thinking. It's like oh, we're gonna reveal at the end. This was all the plan of the computer, and uh, it's all evil and stuff. This it never comes up. Like no. it's never even like explained that the computer came up with this plan. It's like. That it's left ambiguous. It's kind I feel of, like that's implied. Like I don't think they need implied. to really. But it's like it doesn't matter really. There didn't need to be like a central like sentient supercomputer that controls the whole plant for this thing like to to happen. I feel. Well, it, it does though because. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was just and yeah, yeah, you're right. Like you could like you know obviously like they they kind of lose control of their own technology and they they don't know how it works and. That that's why things start to fail, but and because they get lazy or whatever. But it's just like it feels like like between like the you know not being able to give birth to kids anymore, and you know you have this like supercomputer that kind of like has like central control of like all their functions. It feels like you have all these like hooks for a great story to do something interesting or anything fun, and they just like don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It, it all ties together neatly i feel like it's just not that interesting like you said it's it's not 
like there's a reason that there is a supercomputer and that's right. the whole reason that they can't have kids is the supercomputer exists um so it, it does all tie together it just it's kind of flat yeah, it, it, yeah. there were cards left on the table here that, 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 yeah. that's, that's mainly where i'm coming from so, yeah it's just like it feels like you could have done so much more with it and you just didn't so Wesley uses the computer to just look at all the other kids, but then he stopped by Joanna and says, no, we have to go do other stuff now. You can't just look at all the kids, and uh, they leave. That's it. <laughs> and on on the bridge, Radu is hailing, and he wants to talk about uh, the terms. And, and um, oh. I'm sorry, one, one other thing is that Wesley asks, hey, what's behind that door? Is that where all the power from the entire station comes from? And she just like looks at him blankly and says, I don't know what's from behind there. What do you, how is there just a room next to your supercomputer that you don't know about? That's what? She never needs to go in there. She's who never needed to, to go, go in, in room. there. I want to make art. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. That room's probably boring anyway. I want to, I want to paint boring. a duck. I don't have time for this. Oh, well, everybody wants to paint a duck, man. That sounds like fun. I'm going to go do that right now. Goodbye. Oh no, on the bridge, um, <laughs> Radu is hailing and uh, he's ready to discuss terms with the, uh, Dr. Picard uh, with Captain Picard and Captain Picard's like, okay, uh, me and Dr. Crusher are ready to come down to the planet. And he's like, Dr. Crusher, why are you ill? Uh, and he's like, no, no, it's, it's Starfleet regulation that two staff officers have to be present for negotiations. And uh, he's like, okay, okay. And they hang up and Data's like, I've never heard of that regulation, Captain. And Captain Picard's like, catch on Data. Come on. I'm just trying to get Dr. Crusher down there. <laughs> so they get beamed down to the planet and uh Picard demands to see the children first and they're like no you can't see the children. Uh Radu doesn't understand why they want them back so badly since they can have more. He's right. That's true. He is right. They could just have more kids except for <laughs> Dr. Crusher cuz her husband's dead. Um <laughs> so Dr. Crusher asks them how they can be so sure that the human children won't uh will be able to bear children and not have the same problem and and he's like oh no no it's it's just genetic dysfunction that's not contagious it, it's going to be fine. Um, but, uh, Radu's like, well, we'll get, we can give you so much information for the kids, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but before we continue, Picard says, uh, Dr. Crusher needs to be allowed to see her son, Wesley. And, and they are very firm about this and they're like, okay, fine, fine. So they bring in Wesley or they bring her to Wesley. And we notice at this point, she's got a tricorder like hiding in her pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she kind of like, I like this scene a lot because she's like, Normally you would think like, oh, Wesley, I miss you. But instead they play it real cool. Like, oh, how you been, kid? And then just kind of um, hints Slip- at him. Yeah. Like, yeah, slips him a little uh, scanning device. And he immediately picks up on it and like, oh, we're being treated great here. They treat us like gods. And he, instead he's like walking around Duanna, who's right there, and scanning mm-hmm. her for his mom. And I then, actually uh, wasn't sure that, well, that that's like what was happening there. I know that they were like trading something around. I just didn't realize, realize it was like a tricorder at all. I didn't, also didn't realize that he was like scanning her. I thought he was just kind of standing by her. I, I kind of missed that. We we see him like take it around her head and like give her a scan around her brain and stuff. And so she he then uh, slips it back to his mom and they say goodbye. And uh, which their their self control both of them in this scene has gone so far in this season alone because like you remember Justice where she's like hysterical that he's gonna get killed on the planet right and now she's like she she might lose him forever but she's playing it real cool and just trying to like get the get the information and figure out what's going on with these people well uh, when Wesley did when he got slipped the thingy he's like he did say oh <laughs> he took it like. No one, no one noticed though. 
So no, D- I sucks at her job. She didn't. She was like staring straight at them and didn't notice anything going on. Even <laughs> though Wesley was like giving it away the whole time. She's never done this before. Oh. Uh, so Crusher returns and reduces like, well, you have your offer and it's final. We're not going to know she could negotiate this. This is this is it. So think about it and just immediately beams them back to the ship. Uh, and then Redu also immediately hails them and says, we want you to understand the nature of your choice. And also uh, we want to put on a little demonstration of our power for you. And an energy beam just like shoots out of the planet and blasts the Enterprise away into space and knocks them uh, three days away from Aldea at warp nine. And Reduce hails them again and it's like, so if you don't accept our terms, we're going to push you so far away that by the time you come back, your children will be grandparents. It's a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> it's really fucked up. But this we I have mean. a credible threat now. We yeah. have a real reason that they can't just uh, fuck this up. So two days away, later, three they, they push them away three days in like an instant. I feel like that would like break everyone's necks on board. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little, it's a little unbelievable. They, they have the shields up. They have the shields up. Yeah, so it's fine. Did, did, did the shields protect you from inertia? Yeah. I don't know why they choose the warps that they do because Data's like, or I think it was Jordy's like, we're three days away at warp nine. And Picard's like, okay, we're going at warp nine. It's like, you've gone faster than that before. You could go at like 9.5. I don't know why you don't just do that. I don't know. They never really explained that. I assume that there's something about like the engine's capabilities and whether or not it'll break it down or whatever. But uh, they just come back at warp nine. But meanwhile, two days has passed. Uh, we have um, some scenes of the kids like with their guardians now uh learning about stuff and um i'm not even going to describe this because it's just like we need to keep through moving through this episode There's i took so, so many notes we we all talked about before the show started how we all took so long of notes about this episode because a lot like happens in it but nothing really happens in it yeah it's there's a lot of just like scenes of just like oh it's me harry the boy i'm gonna point this dumb laser at a piece of wood and it's gonna carve an entire thing out of it off one pass what is with that it, it uh, their technology seems to use the power of your brain to just make things happen make which things is kind of neat yeah because the musical instrument works that way too where you just i guess to hold it and focus on it and it makes music yeah <laughs> it was, uh, it's like uh you know the game simon it's like that but with more keys this is simon and oh. she, she, she play, she's like i gotta learn how to play with the stupid simon says thing and he's like use your mind use your mind use your force powers to make play a song on this stupid instrument he you plays a sad song and he's like immediately brought to tears he's like okay now play something happier and she says i'm not happy <laughs> um that the instrument actually reminded me of in futurama the holophone that fry learns to play Yes, remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. Mm. That kind of reminded the me of Devil's that. Devil's Hands episode? Yeah, that was yeah. a great episode. Um, that, was a, that was a great episode. What if that was the last episode of Futurama? What if that was just the last episode of Futurama? Wow. It can, oh, can be if you believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, meanwhile, on the Enterprise, uh, they finally come back to the planet, and they've had no contact in the meantime. Uh, Picard hails them and says, we're still willing to continue discussing. And Reduce like, okay, good, good. Um, and Picard immediately tell they hang up, and Picard immediately tells Data, "You have to defeat the shield." <laughs> like he says, "Defeat." You have to defeat the shield. And Data says, "That may be impossible, sir." And Picard says, "Things are only impossible until they're not," which is stupid, but 
He said that was, oh, I wrote that down too. I was so mad at that line. It's such a dumbass <laughs> line. Things are only impossible until they're not. Fuck off. <laughs> but Crusher comes to the bridge and says uh, that she she knows why uh, that Duanna is dying. They all have uh, chromosomal damage, and she doesn't know what's causing it. But it might be reversible if she can figure out why. Mm-hmm. Uh, to and on the planet, Harry has carved a dolphin. Um, nice Rochella. Rochella is rocking Alexandra. I thought this was the creepiest scene in the entire series so far. She's like rocking this like four-year-old back and forth, back and forth. And the little four-year-old is just going, I miss mommy. Rochella's just like, I have you now though. (laughs) Well, I I feel like Rochella did get sad about that though. Because she's like, yeah, she does miss her mommy. (laughs) She only gave her up after the entire crew like tricks them. Well, she's like, well, she'll get over it. (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, and then we have Wesley. Uh, well, she would eventually probably have gotten over it, but whatever. Wesley isn't eating his food in the in the quarters, and Duana's trying to reassure him that, like, over time you'll you'll be happier here. Uh, you just you have to give it some time. Uh, and he he just looks at them and tells them, which I thought was my my number one Wesley scene this episode. Well, actually, number two. There's another one. Uh, he he's like, I'm sorry that you can't have children. I feel bad for you, but none of the Enterprise children want to be here, and we're not going to cooperate with you. Just like very straightforward, like this is yeah. not going to work for you, right? And these like right, like this is not going to like work out. Like, I guess the the theory is that they'll just like break these kids over time, just make them learn to just sit up home here. But I I do like how adamant like Wesley is, is like you know I'm not going to let you guys just like push us out, like into your system. Like we're going to fight this. It's 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 a good moment. Yeah, it is. It is. And then later that night, he slips out of his bed and figures out where the kids are. And gets them all together, and they, he makes a plan that they're all going to uh, to fast. He says he teaches them that it's passive resistance, and he reassures them that the Aldeans won't hurt the, won't hurt them for it. Uh, but they need to do it to, to show them that they have to go back to the Enterprise. That they're not going to participate or cooperate with them in any way. They're just right. going to not talk to them and not eat. Fucking um, Comrade Wesley, let's go. Yeah, it's it's this is the plan. So hey. they're all just hanging out in a room, refusing to eat and refusing to talk to them. Uh, and Rochella walks in on them too, and um, uh, is like, "What the hell is going on here?" But um, she reaches for Alexandra, and Wesley just picks her up, and they all refuse to talk to her. This is, this is good. It's good. Yeah, it was a good bit um, earlier where Wesley's explaining this, and Harry's like, "I don't know. I kind of like this place because I don't <laughs> have to do calculus here." <laughs> he really hates calculus. He brings it up so many times in this episode. I also hate calculus, so I can sympathize <laughs> with Harry. Yeah, Wesley's just like, look, you want to be here forever? We all got to join up together, or this isn't going to work. He's like, okay. okay I guess. Um, and on, on the Enterprise, Dr. Crusher has found the reason for the sickness. The entire planet is suffering from radiation poisoning. Which, oh, oh, my okay. God. That's fucked up. I did up. have a question about this. I had a question about this because <laughs> she, she specifically mentions that she, she figured this out because it was similar to symptoms people showed in the mid-20th century when the ozone layers were disappearing on Earth. So I, my question is, if the ozone layers got thin enough, do you actually get radiation poisoning from the sun? Um, um so, yeah. it would be yeah. You, I don't know. Um, you definitely get problems from all of the UV. I don't know. Ted, if it would be that severe. I, I guess it could be. Well, I mean, we just watched Finch uh, like a couple weeks ago, and that was basically the thing in Finch too, right? Like the UV layers 
uh, the UV radiation was was killing him, wasn't it? Yes, but also I don't know uh, the <laughs> the scientific credentials of Finch the movie. Well, I see. <laughs> I would have dismissed this episode as like, okay, yeah, they're just making this shit up for the TV show because you know you want to talk about climate change. Also, hint, hint. But um, but also Finch did it too. So that made me question: like, is that actually a thing that could happen? If you're a scientist and you know the answer to this. Email us at beamedasickbed at gmail.com. Mm. I want to know if you can get radiation sickness from UV. Yeah, it's I don't me. know. I think o- ozone is specifically uh, a UV thing. So I don't know if that is uh, high enough energy to really be given radiation poisoning. But I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I don't know is. either. So if you do know this, email us. Um so in, it, in, in the movie, uh, what's that? What's that fucking movie where they have to go to the center of the earth to uh, fix you it? You mean Journey of the Center of the Earth? No, I don't. <laughs> Do you mean That's, the core? I might mean the core. <laughs> all, all I remember in that movie is uh, the UV light gets so bad it melts the San Francisco Bridge. So <laughs> what? <laughs> that yeah. seems like too much. Personally, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a giant beam of light just like comes down. It's like whoosh, just going over the bridge. I don't know it. if that's how the sun works. That's definitely how it works. I I trust the core more than I trust Star Trek. So oh, honestly, these fair, people these people must be getting off easy. If you ask me. Uh, and we also get another scene of the fasting children, and um, I really like this one. This was my number one Wesley scene. Actually, is. They sat down to like a platter of food in front of the kids to get them to eat. And Alexander, the little child, reaches for the food. But Wesley like grabs her and stops her and has to explain to her uh, like, no, you can't do this because you want to see your mommy again. Right. And she understands like she actually gets it. He, ex- I didn't write down exactly what he said. I should have because it was my favorite Wesley scene in the episode. <laughs> but I didn't. So I felt bad for the little baby. It- it's it's great but. seeing Wesley as just like a leader, not as boy genius, brilliant mag- magician man that can figure out everything at the drop of a hat. It's nice yeah. to see him be like, okay, I'm going to be confident. I'm going to stand in the way of like opposition. That's that's great. It's a great position for yeah. him. You should do that more often. Yeah, this yeah. is a very good Wesley episode. You get more. Uh, he gets more kind of realistic and grounded in later seasons, and I think. He's he's definitely not as bad as in the first half of this season ever again. So yeah, no, never again. Uh, Wesley, honestly, this is going to take years for us to program. I'll do it in seconds. <laughs> <laughs> never really that bad again. Uh, but the next episode we're going to be watching too is another Wesley episode. This is like supreme. Like it's really good. So All right. I'm excited. Uh, anyway. Riker and Data are preparing to beam down to the planet because they figured out the whole punching thing. Uh, they figure out how to how to beam in the timing. And uh, somebody asked, I don't remember if it was Crusher or Troy or somebody was like, why don't we, or maybe it was Tasha, maybe why don't we just beam the children up through the holes? And they're like, well, that's way too dangerous. We don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> and they're right. That would be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I the think plan, they should try it. The plan is they're going to beam down and get the kids back and figure out how to shut down the, the planet's shield. Um. So they, uh, it's really do, easy. It turns out, yeah, they, they do this. Um, uh, they, 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 I think it's something that we're like, they can only do it at the same time that like, uh, Crusher and Picard are being beamed, right? I, I feel yeah. like that must have been it because that is what happens. Picard and Crusher are beamed down and at the same time, Riker and Data also beam down. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if and it then, was just a distraction or if they were just doing it while the shield was open. Well, I said they don't. They said they don't need to open the shield. They to, don't. Yeah, they don't open so. the shield. Maybe somehow the transporter causes like a fluctuation in the shield. Who knows? That's never really explained. Yeah. They just, not really. Um, all that's important is that Riker and uh, Data are able to make their way down. They yeah, do, they, and they and they find the. Uh, yeah. The custodian. They found yes. the computer and they say, oh, it only takes voice commands from an authorized person, but so, so I can scramble it. the input. <laughs> I don't know how so, he does that, but he does it. Yeah. I guess he just puts a filter on the input so that when people try to use commands, they don't recognize it. I don't I, know how this knows? works, but... They need to wrap up the episode. There's only like six minutes left. So like, they oh, fuck it. Let's just mess with the computer. They won't be able to use it anymore. We did this it. This is really, oh. yeah, this is real. This part of the episode, they really need to wrap things up and they just go from here. Yeah. Uh, well, and and meanwhile, uh, Picard and Pressure have beamed down to Redu and immediately he tells him like, uh, but first you have to deal with the kids. They're on some kind of strike and uh, you have to fix this. <laughs> you have to talk to these kids. <laughs> I really like this. And Picard's like, well, we'll see what we can do. So they beam Picard over to the children's room and uh and Wesley's like, Oh, thank God you're here, you're gonna save us. And he's like, Wait, wait, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. But Wesley immediately, like this is another good Wesley moment. He just immediately jumps into telling the Captain Picard, Hey, I know how the computer controls work. Uh we we can do this at that. Um and uh Harry's like, If we can't go back, can you tell my dad that I miss you? Oh, <laughs> oh it was really sweet. Um so well, they, they Picard, all... Picard says, uh, you're going to tell him that, and I'm going to tell him how great his son is. Yeah, and then, it was real but cute. That was nice. But then the better part is Alexandra comes up, and he's like, oh, hello. And she's reaching her arms out for a hug, and Picard <laughs> just looks around like, man, I really got to do this. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, um. So Picard actually takes all the kids back to Reduce's room and Reduce's like, what the hell is going on here? Um, Picard's like, no, we're all, we're all going home. We're ready to go home. And uh, he hails Commander Riker and Riker says, yep, we're ready. We're good. Uh, and Dr. Crusher tries to tell them, like, so you all have radiation poisoning um, and the planet is being flooded by ultraviolet radiation from your stupid computer, probably. <laughs> and then and, uh, uh, Crusher and Reduce go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. Well, um, they say our scientists would have known about this, and Crush is like pissed off. He's like, "Your scientists forgot how everything works." So th- and they actually... I'm saying we haven't seen any scientists anywhere in the yeah. show. There's actually one scene with the artists where uh, Harry's like, "Man, this is way better than doing calculus," and the artists just kind of look at him and they're like, "What's calculus?" So. I guess their entire planet has just like lo- like lost all of their like mathematicians and like. Well, why would you need them? You have a computer to do all that stuff for you. You can just they have yeah. sculpt and they have sciences. Yeah, yeah. I think if you have scientists, uh, well, yeah, they, they mentioned saying they mentioned that their scientists don't see radiation poisoning or anything. I don't think they actually have. I think they're bluffing. Maybe know. so. Who knows? Their scientists are the custodian, and the custodian is is fine with this. He's like, no, there's no issue. You just yeah, can't you're have. Right. I I don't know. They don't they don't go into it because, uh, like you said, there's five minutes left in the episode. But Redu is pissed off. He he reaches for his armband to uh, beam them bow back to the ship, and uh, it doesn't work. 
He's just like, oh, and then he at this point he's just incredibly defeated. Like, damn it. <laughs> zooms in on his all. face. Yeah, he's all <laughs> he looks so pouty. Um the Riker and Data have disabled the shield somehow. Uh, and Picard orders the children's beamed up, but first Harry wants to thank his adoptive father and mother who don't have names and tell them they can keep the dolphin that he carved. He'll make another one. But the children are all beamed up and Radu's still pouting, and Picard's like, we want to help you. We can help you. We don't want you to die. Um, so they all go to the generator, so we finally see this generator, which I think the generator's really cool, and it's sad that they didn't show it more in the episode. It's really cool. Yeah. It's the coolest thing in the whole, like, show, in the whole episode. Like... Uh, it's like, just like, this, really, like, really, really like star screen, yeah. And like, like they, they they come in through this door, and they kind of like the 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 camera is from from the position of the supercomputer, so you just like see them as like ants compared to this massive like crystalline like computer thingy, majigger. Yeah, and we're gonna be told later that this was probably used in a movie, but it was really cool, and I liked it. <laughs> it um, probably was. <laughs> Uh, but at this point, also, Radu just immediately accepts, like, okay, I guess we can't have kids because of the radiation poisoning. We're just going to have to kill the custodian. Like, the, the, the wrap up mm. on this episode is light it's speed. It's amazing. Warp light speed. speed. Yes. It's yes. like, I, Warp nine. he just immediately changes his mind. Like, I guess it's not lies. We're going to have to learn science now and program the computer. Okay. I believe you. Yeah. And that's the it. end. <laughs> And we immediately like go to the Enterprise and Harry is talking to his dad, telling him like, dad, is it OK if I want to be an artist? And his dad's like, uh, I not want to take a calculus anymore. Like, that's what he wants. He wants to be an artist and not take calculus anymore. The kid fucking hates calculus. And his dad is like, you can be whatever you want to, but you still have to take calculus. The end. Okay. There's one more, more scene where they like they visited <laughs> the planet's atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> This is the best wrapping it up scene. They're like, okay, we fixed everything, but also they can never use the shield again. And then the doctor comes in. Oh, also, I cured all of them. Okay, bye. (laughs) It's really easy to fix radiation in the future. You just don't get it. Apparently. And we also get another scene where uh, Wesley brings Alexandra uh, on board the the bridge, and she wants to hug Picard again. And she's got her little stuffed triple doll with her. And uh, she gives him a big hug, and then everybody he stands up, and everybody's like giggling at the captain, and his our triple doll is stuck to his back. Oh, ah, the ah. actual end! Yay! Hey, for all you scientists, gamers out there, can you reseed an ozone layer? Because they say that at the very end of the episode, and it sounds like bullshit to me. You just dump some ozone in there. Dump some ozone in there. It's like. You probably can. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to if you had the technology. Uh, it, like we can't because we're morons. But but maybe someone can. I think I don't actually you can, know. I, you I, can probably convert regular oxygen into ozone, but it's just no, a you, matter you literally, of power. You literally can because yeah. you know that's actually a byproduct of uh, toner printers. Like that weird oh. smell that printers put off is ozone. These nerds. Oh, we just got to just print a really big banner. There you go. You just just put a bunch of printers in the sky and set them to go. It'll be perfect. Damn, HP should fix the ozone. Just (laughs) take one fucking color printer and they could do it all. No, it needs to be a a toner printer. It needs to be a laser printer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that episode had a lot happen and also nothing happened in it. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry that a lot of that was probably just me talking as fast as I could to get through it. So if that was bad to listen to, I apologize. The next one is a little bit better. So it, it's, I like, I kind of like, I kind of like the episode. 
that we just talked about. And even if nothing happened, it was like, it was all right. Uh, there's good Wesley in it. And, you know, every everyone kind of, it was a, a rare time when everyone acted reasonably on the Enterprise. Listen, as always, Wesley is the best part of the show. So, you know, my dude, hold, <laughs> hold down the show once again. He, he legitimately was the best part of that episode, though, which is that's how, you know, it's fucked. That's how you know something's <laughs> fucked with the episode is when Wesley is the best part of it. But I I don't like I like that episode, too. I don't hate that episode. I think it's a good episode to go watch. Like, go watch it. Uh to talk about it's not exciting like, there's, yeah. Yeah. There, there's really nothing to really talk about much at all uh, and good it, news, it just makes me we... wish they, they they did more with the episode and I, mick freeze and i already bitched about this but like it's like you have a supercomputer you have like this whole thing where your society can't produce more babies like there's a good episode in there somewhere you have all the building blocks for it you just it has to be better than like oh we kidnapped the kids or oh i guess the computer is just kind of broken and doesn't work oh well yeah i think far too much of the episode focused on the children themselves which who cares yeah i don't want to hear about how harry hates calculus i get it <laughs> i want to hear about it poor harry <laughs> yeah I, I, the next episode too like uh, it's the same kind of thing where uh it's got the good sci-fi premise but it's just kind of but we'll talk about that (laughs) we're gonna take a quick break we'll talk about home soil when we get back thank you guys for listening to the show we will be right back and we are back we're gonna be talking now about home soil episode 18 uh that was first aired on february 22nd 1988 uh, was teleplay written by Robert Savaroff, and the story was by Carl Gores, Ralph Sanchez, and Robert Savaroff. A uh, lot, of, lot of writers on this one. And it was directed by Corey Allen. In-universe date is 41463.9, and the year is 2364. And in this one, the Enterprise is visiting a uh, terraforming station on a planet where things are going awry. Robert Sephiroth. Robert Sephiroth wrote this. Oh, my God. Uh, so, uh, what do you guys thought? Initial thoughts. Uh, you, guys, you guys have thoughts. Um, uh, you know, they had some ideas. They had they they had some ideas, and <laughs> I wish they had better ones. <laughs> I, mean, I like this episode. This, this is uh, another one where I'm going to tell people, hey, go watch this episode because it's going to be way more interesting to watch it than listen to us talk about it, probably. Yeah. But also, you should listen to us talk about it because this is a great mm. podcast and you love it. Then email in telling us uh, how great our podcast is and also how right Hayes is about everything. <laughs> um, no, you so have to tell the truth in your email. No. <laughs> the podcast sucks, but Hayes is right about everything. No. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just I I felt like this is an episode where like they have some interesting ideas with like the kind of the conflict that arises, what's causing it. But I just don't think it gets presented or executed in a really like interesting way. Um, I didn't think it was like bad. I just didn't think it really like was that like engaging for first no it's 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 not you're right i mean i there's parts of this episode that i just really enjoy but uh it's 
It's flat. more of an interesting episode than a exciting <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Like, Except hmm. for there's one exciting scene in it that we'll get to soon. But um <laughs> oh, it's so cool though. I know, I know I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I said that. Um, <laughs> so the Enterprise is visiting a terraforming planet of Lara 3. Uh and they were asked to by the Federation because communications from there have been erratic. Uh and they talk about how the terraformers are like visionaries. They're they're coming into this entirely dead planet and bringing life to it. Uh, and so they arrive there and they hail, but there's no answer. And then finally, the the director Mandel of the of the station answers uh, and says, "Oh, we're not expecting visitors." And um, and Troy is telling privately to Picard that their presence has alarmed him. Uh, and he's very bristly to them, but he says, well, "We're on schedule." Uh, and Troy says that he's clearly hiding something and uh, is afraid of them being there. And Picard's pushing him like, well, we, we just want to come down and we want to look around, you know? And, and he's like, well, I don't think that's necessary. Um, and they, 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 as they're doing this, they're like constantly putting them on mute so that Troy can say like, he's almost at a state of panic right now. <laughs> Picard's like, okay, we're coming down anyway. Deal with it. And Mandel's like, all right, well, whatever. So we he's see this. Sort of- do. It is a little rude, but he's he's got to do his job. You got to um, be rude in space. One thing I will really say about this episode is that uh, they do a lot of interesting things with just explaining terraforming in general. Like, I feel like the premise of, of that with sci-fi, with uh, the idea of terraforming planets, they really were trying to explore that. And I, I like that. I'm glad that they, they kind of went to that. They go into, like, the science of it. I didn't write any of that down because, you know, it's over my head. I don't know anything about science. I didn't really either, yeah. Um, but, and, and they're kind of, like, going, like, over, the uh, you know, the saline levels and, like, you know, this is, like, what's on the rock formations and everything. And it's, like, they they kind of leverage that in the episode at the very, 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 very end. But... I didn't feel like any of the terraforming science stuff they kept bringing up really was like there to do anything besides just like window dressing. It was just like they looked up a it, it felt like they looked up like a National Geographic special on like, whoa, this is what terraforming could be one day. Rather than yeah, it, being like an active like part of the episode. You're you're absolutely right. Like it doesn't serve the story of the episode at all, but I still thought it was neat. It's interesting. They're like talking about like we're going to uh have the gonna first we're gonna get the water levels all good and then we're gonna introduce bacteria that will put oxygen into the air and then we're gonna i don't know put a tree i guess (laughs) we're just gonna plant one tree and it'll sort itself out over time yeah you just gotta (laughs) wait one thing i didn't get was that they're like oh we're behind schedule we're behind schedule reasonably this would take hundreds of years this is they have a 35 year plan here and i guess this is a very this is planned out so meticulously that they cannot lose even one day of work because they really want the enterprise out of here so they can work yeah they don't really explain that one at all because i don't understand why their timetable is so tight really yeah yeah, no it doesn't really make a lot of sense but yeah you know hey joey you gotta get this planet in order soon the boss is gonna check on it (laughs) No. <laughs> um, do you know there's another episode of, of, of I think next season or the season after that uses a similar concept uh, of that, like a similar setup that does this so much better. And I'm so excited to get there eventually, but we're not there yet. So you see the terraforming station on the planet. The away team has beamed in. It's Riker, Tasha, Troy, Data, and Jordy. 
And they're greeted by Louisa Kim, who's just a really nice lady. I like her. She's really pleasant. Yeah, she's she's the only one on the station who's like she's acting like a regular person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like she's not trying to get them to go away. She's like, oh hey, I don't, I don't get to talk about my job very often. This is gonna be fun. Well, and she's really good at it too. It almost feels like she was like the station's PR representative, except for they don't need one because they literally talk to no one besides anyone on the station. <laughs> but she's just like, let me show you this. And here's Arthur and Bjorn. They do this and that. And Arthur and Bjorn are the other people, by the way. Uh, and um, Bjorn is impressed that Data is an android when he meets him. He's like, oh, it's really cool. I love machines. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, Louise is just doing all the science stuff we talked about, showing them, like, this is what we're doing with the terraforming and et cetera, et cetera. And Troy privately tells Riker that uh, the other two are really secretive, Arthur and Bjorn, but she is not. Uh, she's as open as she appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she mentions that uh, normally they do water tables at their next phase, but this planet actually has water on the inside, uh, like a band of, of really saline uh, laced water, which we talked about. Um, so they're trying to pump it out and desalinate it. Um, and uh, she also tells them too, and this is important that every planet that they terraform is very carefully selected and it must be entirely void of life, uh, to be terraformed. Yeah. Not even the prospect of one day developing life. Yeah. That's super against the time prime directive kind of thing. And, uh, when you scan for life, normally you're scanning for carbon based life forms. You're looking for organic life forms, most typically. Yes. Yes. That is also very important. Um, and Data and Jordy are going to talk to Arthur about the landscaping equipment, which has been, I guess, uh, acting up. Um, and they're like, oh, this is really cool landscaping equipment. And he's like, yeah, but I keep getting these weird power fluctuations. And they, they start to ask him about it. And he's, he's actually starting to get excited. Like, like, oh, yeah, you know, I thought it was this and that. But Bjorn actually cuts him off and says, no, we don't, we don't want to talk about that with them. You need to get to work. And uh, Director Amanda walks in and apologizes for being so abrupt earlier. And um, he also tells Arthur, hey, you should be working and tells him he should go to his hydraulic chamber to do the work, mm-hmm. which is where they drill the water, I guess. Um, and Data and Jordy are looking at the water layer graph on the chart saying like, oh, it's weird that it's so narrow and consistent. I feel like they the there was something in the writing here that got lost in the translation of the teleplay. Like you get that feeling that there was something more and it's it like just supposed wasn't... to be like more of a smoking gun than it really kind of came out to be on screen. Yeah, when they, it seems like they're just talking about like, oh, science is interesting when really there is like the water yeah. thing just does not pay off. No, it, like I, I get what you're saying. It's like you know, kind of looking back at the episode, it's kind of I mean, you're meant to kind of look at it and be like, oh, there's something a little unnatural about these formations of the sailing tracks and all that maybe there's something in the back of your head that's supposed to be like i wonder if something's already living here but as a layman who doesn't know shit about shit to me to me it was just it was just like oh they're talking about science gobbledygook yawn yeah it it feels like just filler when you're listening to it the first time it's just like eh, in one ear out the other um and but then so, you hear the most horrific thing ever well first director mandel is actually showing them like vegetation tables or some shit and you see troy immediately senses something like <gasps> and tells tells Riker that arthur is in trouble and then you hear the horrible screams oh. and lasers like zap 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 it's horrifying oh my god <laughs> over in the other chamber they're trying to get the door open and it's jammed and they just hear him like dying inside yeah yeah it's really frightening actually it's, it really it's not is. good when you have the 
subtitles say screaming stops. <laughs> and then as soon as the screaming stops, they hear like his death rattle and the door opens. Um, and he's just, they actually show like that before they cut to commercial, they show the camera behind him and he's kind of blurred a little bit. Uh, but you can see the burns. Yeah. You can see the burns. The lasers. Like- it's like through his like uh suit and everything and see it's all like he's all kind of charred up it's pretty it's, nasty it's gnarly you don't yeah. want to get burned by a laser drill it turns out um so they talked to picard over the the little what's it called phone and they're gonna beam Arthur up to the sick bay because as they say beam beam him to the sick bay i clap yeah, 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 yeah they did it uh, i'm cheering <laughs> They think that he's going to die, though, probably. Um, and well, Louise is really yeah. upset and distraught and says, I want to go up with him. And, and you should come as well, Director Mandel. And so they all go up there. Uh, but on on the station, Data and Jordy remain to analyze the power drill with Bjorn. Uh, and Data is fascinated by the malfunction. He says this, that it's like the drill was just moving on its own. This is so stupid, by the way, what they do here. <laughs> what? Okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> this <laughs> is the drill just uh, moved on its own and ended when the yelling stopped and uh so they're trying to test it out and data wants the power turned back on so we can that's test stupid it. don't do that <laughs> well he wants to see what malfunctioned so he stands in the room with the drill yeah and has them turn the power back on hey and look so the program starts to run he's a superman he can do whatever <laughs> And then the fucking, doesn't have uh, any consequences for anything. Then the Ultra Instinct uh, theme starts playing, and he starts dodging <laughs> every shot. Well, because he, he starts to test it, and it seems like it's going fine, and then uh, immediately, immediately, the laser drill turns on him. <laughs> and, and his face is just like, like, like you said, Ultra Instinct dodging out of the way of the drill. Yes, um, it's so cool. It's so you, you you only see it for like two seconds, but th- those two seconds are sick. Yeah, and then he calls into the other room saying like, uh, Jordy, turn off the servos and the servos are off. Data, what is happening? Too much to explain. I, I bet he could have explained stepping. it. I think he He's, could explain. You could just he say, was, I'm being fired at. <laughs> he was busy using all of his processing power to dodge the laser. <laughs> and the True. door is jammed again and Bjorn's like, oh no, it's happening again. Uh, and the door finally opens, and there's like smoke filling the room, and Data walks out victorious against the laser drill. Yeah, <laughs> revealed. He went fucking like gorilla mode on this fucking laser. He just <laughs> tore it apart. It's like dangling from the ceiling. I love I, it so much. You wish that Data had a theme song that they could have played as he walks out. <laughs> um, and Data's immediately telling Jordy that the firing program that was used on him was very dynamic and it was adjusting to his movements and trying to kill him. Like it, there was a mind working against him, he says. And Bjorn is just like walking in, looking at the laser drill, like, what did you do? A year's work <laughs> is wasted. It was his favorite drill, you know? <laughs> he really did kill that laser drill, but it was him or the laser drill. And on, no, honestly, was, I'm glad Dave was justified. He, he killed the hell out of that drill. <laughs> You can barely recognize like it. It's, sick. In, it's like in two pieces. They're just wires dangling yeah, to it's connect just, it, them. It's just a bunch of exposed wiring and like little pieces of the drill kind of connecting to the wiring. It, it's like totally, totally like destroyed. Good job, Data. <laughs> so they're on the Enterprise and Data's reporting to Picard and Director Mandel and the operations have been completely shut down at this point based on the Enterprise's uh, orders. Mandel is very upset because of their timetable, timetable, and he leaves in a huff. And uh, Picard asks him to escort, or asks Tasha to escort him to his quarters because all, all of them have been given temporary quarters on the on the ship 
for all this. Um, Data so is certainly need to give Tasha something to do because she's not. She's like, what has <laughs> Tasha been doing lately? Nothing. She doesn't get to do anything. No, ever. Yeah, she, there she's might not be even a, on the way missions when that should be may, like her thing. There may be a reason why she wanted to quit the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And Data is telling telling Picard that he was certain that the laser was programmed to kill anyone in the room. And so they're like, well, who could have done it? It must have been one of the other three terraformers on the on the station. Um, and then uh, Dr. Crusher tells them, like, yeah, Arthur is dead as hell, of course. Uh, and Arthur. He did get shot so in the head. <laughs> he got horribly mauled by that laser drill. He doesn't have Data's skills. No. Um, so Picard sends Data and Jordy back to the station to investigate it. And uh, he also tells Tasha to get full profiles on all the terraformers. I was so excited. I was so excited. I thought this show was going to be, I thought this episode was going to be like a whodunit. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I was hoping so hard no. it would be a whodunit. Picard, and... Picard says, it seems we are becoming detectives. Number one. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is going to be the best episode so far. Um, and it does not try to beat that. It doesn't. No. Uh, Dana and Jordy are, are down on the station. Everything's in the dark because the power, except for the life support has all been turned off to the station. And because they're in the dark, Data looks down into the hole that they've been drilling and notices a glowing light. And they're both like, huh? And, and he says, Jordy, I need some visual assistance. And Jordy goes over and looks with his visor and says he doesn't see any carbon, that it's all definitely inorganic. But the flashes of light seem almost musical. And Data speculates, what if it's alive? And, and, uh, and Jordy says to Data, the android who has no organic material, how could it be alive? It's inorganic. But that was like, funny. Okay. Jordy. Do you remember 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 that energy cloud that beamed Picard out into it? Was that organic? Remember the crystalline entity? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jordy, Jordy, do you remember any of hey, that? We don't. We don't know the crystalline entity is alive. We just know it likes to kill people. That's true. That's true. But that could be like a force of nature. Definitely alive. That space cloud was alive as hell. It was kind of sus. It's pretty <laughs> sus. It. Yeah. <laughs> So they beam aboard uh, the little glittery thing and put it in the medical bay with a glass beaker over it or whatever. Like, why, though? <laughs> I was just the trying to figure out, like, like, why do they do this? So they can examine it. They uh, want to look yeah. at it. Yeah. Okay. So they have a they have the bell jar over it. Uh, and Picard, Crusher, Data, and Jordy are all there. And then Wesley's watching in the background so he can do something in this episode. And um, they're talking about, like, well, could it possibly be alive? And Crusher's, like, giving the criteria for defining life. Like, it has to be able to reproduce, and it has to be able to uh, grow or whatever. I, I don't remember what she actually said. And I meant to, I forgot mm. to look up what the actual definition of life is. I'm going to do that right now. Because mm. I feel like reproduction isn't even part of it. I don't think so, but I think it's probably open to interpretation pretty heavily. Uh, it's the condition that distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. This is what the dictionary says. I don't know. But that's basically what she says. So that, that they're uh, going to just study it in the lab and, and do the scientific method on it and see if it meets those criteria. Uh, and they're using the computer to confirm that it is not organic. And the computer's like, yep, it is inorganic, no carbon. Uh, and they watch it on a monitor magnified and the crystal forms uh, like pulsate and they start hearing a hum like audibly a hum mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they have the computer demagnify and the hum still continues and they realize it's actually responding to them being close to it. It goes away when they back up. Um, they're like, whoa, that's weird. Uh, so the computer also says that the flashing of the of the thing is not repetitive or sequential and that the pattern is unknown. And they don't know what's causing it either, which is weird that the computer doesn't know what's causing it. Mm. Um, and the computer says this is theoretically not possible. And and <laughs> Dr. Crusher at this point asks it to theorize what, what could be causing it. And the computer just responds, life. <laughs> One word, life. It's very you know, why do we need anyone on this ship? We just ask the computer to come up with ideas, and it does. Pretty much. Well, someone has to tell the computer to come up with ideas, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to talk to Mandel and the terraformers and say, hey, we think there might be life on the planet. You said it was lifeless. And Mandel's like, no, that's ridiculous. We, The planet was certified lifeless by the greatest scientific minds. And um, and Picard then asks him, like, like really accusatory would you be willing to or kill to cover this up, basically? Uh, and um, and he leaves in a huff like, oh, I create life. I don't take it. And Troy senses that uh, he did know about the life form, but was shocked about the murder accusation. But she doesn't know if he was shocked because he didn't do it or he was shocked just at being accused of it. Which both are pretty shocking, I guess. Um, I, and, I was and, still on this point. It was like, oh, it's a whodunit. It's a whodunit. We're going to find out one, one of the crew One of the crew members had to have done it. Maybe it was Kim. Maybe that's the big twist. That would have been a big twist. Um, and, and Tasha's got her psychological profiles and, and says that or, or her, I guess, in general profiles. But Mandel was the only survivor that had the knowledge to reprogram the laser drill. The other yeah. one that had the knowledge was the dead guy. Um and so they, they ask also about Louisa and Troy's like, I don't really know, but maybe Riker would be able to figure out better than me and sends, yeah. sends him to go flirt with her. Go fuck her. Is what she says. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. And he does go to her room immediately. And she's like crying in the darkness. Uh, she's heard that there's a life form on the planet and she's like, Oh, my work is ruined. Um, but she wants to know what it's like. And he's telling her, Oh, it's really beautiful. Et cetera, et cetera. There's really nothing that comes out of that scene, is there? No. No. Well, everyone's. <laughs> There's a lot of scenes like that. No. We just go back to everyone's just watching TV of the crystal. <laughs> There's Pretty nothing much. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, they go back to the. They go to the ready room at some point, don't they? Interviewing everyone all over again. Again. No, Jordy uh, says, "Oh, I saw there was a shift in the pattern of the blinking light, and it turns on this noise." And Jordy's like, "Ow, I'm getting away from this thing. It's too bright, or I guess." And the computer says, "Warning: input overload." Right, and, right, right, right. And uh, it puts up uh, an energy field or something. Yeah, um, projects so they, an energy field. They, yeah. So they turn off the the viewer with the magnifier. And, and it, it makes a baby. It produces another crystal. And they're like, oh, I guess it must be alive. It reproduced. It and so they're are... immediately like, oh, we should probably quarantine this shit. Uh, quarantine this shit. And Crusher tries to send a, a quarantine field. And it destabilizes immediately. And so she calls for a full shield backup. And it also fails. So she's like, okay, we need to evacuate the lab. But then the computer's like patching a translation request. And they get just this garbled sound that seems to be coming from the crystal. Um, 
So they emergency quarantine the lab and all leave. And Picard's like, well, Riker, we uh, know that there's life and it's intelligent now. So they're all on the bridge. Life form is generating enough energy that they're having trouble keeping it contained. Um, and they have the terraformers in the conference room. And this is where they're doing the interrogation. Picard's demanding answers from Mandel. And he's like, okay, okay, maybe I knew about the life form. And Louise is like, what? No, he's like, uh, I, I, okay, I knew there was the pattern, but it was, I, I thought it was not life. No, it was just sunlight reflecting off of something. Yeah, he thought it was like a weird silicon like thing, just living in the pipes or whatever. He didn't think it was like life, life. Yeah, it's and then that's like reasonable, I guess, because he, he was assured, <laughs> he was assured by all the scientists that there was no life, so must not be life. Yeah, and Picard lets them know that it, it is intelligent and trying to communicate with them. And he wants to know when uh, when he first became aware of them, when Mandel first became aware of them on the planet. And Bjorn, at, at this point, chimes in, tell them about the patterns in the sand. And Picard's like, oh, yes, do tell us about the patterns <laughs> in the sand. Uh, and, and, and Mandel's really silent, but Bjorn tells them. And this is fucked up. Like They, they notice the sparkling effect at first, and they're like, they didn't get any thought because it's just sparkling sand, whatever. They think, oh, maybe it's just something weird about this planet. But then mm-hmm. the sand started making geometric patterns at them, and they're just like, oh, <laughs> that's odd. It just makes a big smiley <laughs> face, like, oh, that's nice. That's weird. Nature's, what a, nature's fun. What a weird <laughs> planet. And then, like, they say uh, the shapes move around and go into different places and get bigger or smaller. It's like, huh. I wonder oh, what that's, that's about. Yeah, well, let's well. just ignore that. Why is this sand in the form of a poop emoji? I don't get it. Uh, it's... See, if I was if I was the if I was the light bulb here, I would have just write written out "go away" on the sand. Well, they didn't know how to, their language. Like that the, was the issue. They see, didn't know how to communicate. Was, yeah, with that them. was their mistake. But this is like this is sci-fi one hundred and one. Okay, if something is trying to communicate with you. Uh, and doesn't speak your language at all like geometric patterns are a very easy way to say hey i'm intelligent life stop fucking killing me like that's that's number one and these are all scientists they should know this shit but they're like oh we didn't know they were trying to communicate with us we're just like yeah that's weird whatever Uh, this timetable is very strict it's they gotta get shit on the move here all right you can run over a few fireflies or or whatever the hell those things are (laughs) <laughs> and that's what they were doing we also yeah. get this cute scene where data Jordy, and Worf are analyzing the crystals and trying to figure out how the life form works and data observes something about a conductor which i didn't really write down but it comes up i guess a little bit later uh, but we also get Worf saying uh but is it alive to data and the computer's like probability positive and he just turns to the computer screen and is like i wasn't asking you <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the first thing he says, which is even better, is just, uh, I cannot understand the patterns. <laughs> well, I can't. Worf either. needs to be in the show more. Scientists. He's just. Everything Worf says is good. It's good. It's always good. We're criminally underwarfed. Riker, at this point, goes into engineering, right? Yeah, because the backup on the lab seal is fluctuating. Yeah. And so uh, they think the life form has gotten past the quarantine seal because people are locked in the bathroom. No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, they said spe- specifically this is the programmer's bathroom. They have programmers have their own bathroom, I guess. 
<laughs> really gross in there. You don't want to be in the programmer bathroom. Ooh, no, you that's don't. nasty. Um, and the flashes are getting brighter from the crystals, um, and they realize it's impossible for them to get the seal back up to. Uh, like, the, there's no quarantine at this point. The that thing has the control of the ship, so everyone's yep. on the bridge. The crystals are still trying to communicate with them, and the universal translator comes online. And uh, this is when it starts talking to them. Uh, do you guys? Did you guys oh, write down what it says? It's God. <laughs> this thing is a cool voice. Oh, <laughs> uh, it says uh, ugly giant bags of mostly water. <laughs> <laughs> Data says, uh, actually, this is true because over 90% of your bodies are water, which is not true. It's like 60%. Data is wrong. But we are but mostly water. Gonna have to dig in. It is mostly. <laughs> to, a, to a little crystal life form. That's how they would describe us, I guess. And say... I question... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to know. I was going to say, how do, how do you translate... Uh, inorganic light patterns into words took, and sentences it, it took some going for the computer it's, it took a while for the computer to figure this one out but, but it, it did figure out. it out it's it's the, it did it's the universal translator i guess they so. got everything Jeez in there. louise um <laughs> and crusher's like do you understand us and they're like we understand we want you gone and they, we have tried to communicate. The humans did not. Oh, they didn't say the humans because they don't know humans. The giant bags of water did not <laughs> listen. <laughs> and because yeah. like we, we didn't hear you, but we do come in peace and tried to be peaceful, did not listen, had to kill. Bag who, <laughs> bag who drilled in sand of home had to die. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it says bags in dome did know about it, caused much death. Now. War is with you. I'm glad you wrote down the exact words because I didn't, and it's good. Like they talk good. They are important <laughs> words. And this is uh, where the Who Done It plot immediately drops because obviously yeah. it was the crystals that did it. I just, I just, I just have a sad face here at the end of the Who Done It. The ship does violently shake though, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, the uh, the crystals are at war, and and they could just tear the whole ship apart right now, but they just instead kind of shake it around a little bit. Well, they're on the ship too. <laughs> they don't care, dude. I think they care. <laughs> they're ready to die for their cause, man. Um, but so they've regained visual with the lab, but not communication after commercial break, and uh, moved everyone away from the medical bay as far as possible to to get away from them, which doesn't seem like it would make a fucking difference because it has control of the fucking ship. Yeah, uh, and they're also calling it a microbrain now. Um, <laughs> they, they they like without hesitation, they just start calling it yeah. a microbrain, which I really but liked. They say that um, one, it's like uh, brain cells in the brain. You know, that's why they're called that. But one brain cell is not intelligent. But when you have a whole bunch of them, then they start doing stuff that is cool. It's like a, it's like a computer, he says, because one by itself isn't very powerful. But yeah, more and more you get a supercomputer. That's true. And uh, it, it also seems to be doing nothing right now. And they wonder what's uh, what's going on and it's just done. But Crusher's like... Well, in, in organic organisms, uh, at least, there's a resting period before another reproductive state. So she's like, oh, they, might be, they might be making more. Um, mm -hmm. And Picard wants to try to beam it back down to the planet. And they try, but the beam is immediately redirected <laughs> somewhere and they can't move it. They're like helpless. 
So data like- orders, okay, data order or Picard orders data to take all of the air out of the medical lab. What what use is that going to do? We already know it's I, not carbon based or anything. Like what? that was my question. I like don't what? No, <laughs> honestly, I wrote it down, but I did not think of it. Did not occur to me what the purpose of this was. Yeah, I don't know what the purpose is supposed to be, but uh, it must do something because the the microbrain stops them from doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um. The computer doesn't respond to the command at all. Like it is fully uh, taken over the computers. It's brain pilled. So once again, uh, Picard calls the terraformers into the conference room uh, and says, we need your help with this thing. Um, It now has the power to destroy all of us. And Picard asks them like, how are you trying to kill them on the planet? And Mandel's like, we don't know. We didn't even know they were there. Um, But they finally realized they finally put together the pieces that it was drilling into the saline water and siphoning it. That was what Mm -hmm. was doing it. They finally figure out that uh, the saline water is what was acting as a conductor for the species on the on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, like draining that water away was literally killing them. And we also get Louisa like, we, if we kept doing that, they would have died. Well, sad. Um, uh, Kim's very very distraught about everything that's happening. Like as she, as she, she's in like three different scenes. She's just like, oh, we're killing these poor firefly monsters. You know, it's been a rough day. Yeah. It's, it, it not, has been. not a lot going right. Holly for... died fi- finding out you're accident you're accidentally doing genocide. You know, it's a rough one. Also, your life's work is ruined. You know, yeah. so a bunch of stuff going on. Well, <laughs> there will be other planets. There will be um, other planets. So the microbrain does reproduce again. It shatters the bell jar that it's been in now and becomes a large crystal. It goes yes. from a few, <laughs> a few firefly things to just this big crystal sitting there. And they're like, we got to figure out how to stop this because it's going to destroy the Enterprise just doing that. Um, and they're like, where does it get the power from? Because it's not draining the, from the ship systems. And they're like, oh, wait, maybe because we found some traces of cadmium salt, they're converting infrared light into uh, uh, energy. And they're like, oh, oh, shut off the lights, shut off the lights. So they do. Uh, McFreeze, tell me, is there any credence to this? I don't know. What am I? Uh, you chemistry? you had the scientific knowledge last yeah. I'm not a I'm yeah, not a chemist. I don't know nothing about electro cadmiums. I was just nodding I did, my head. I did like it. that. Um, they said we can't turn off the lights from here. Then Riker can just walk over to the computer that's next to the med bay, and this is oh good my enough. fucking god! Is going to say <laughs> this is good enough to turn off the lights. It's not like a light switch or anything. I thought he was going to go down and like shoot out the lights or something. Like I didn't think he would. Yeah, I thought that too, and that would have been cool. But yeah, but no. Somehow the computer that's closer to the room makes it happen. (laughs) I see. I didn't even see he was using a computer. I figured he just like unplugged something from the wall. No, no. There's there's a wall terminal. He's just started messing around with. He's doing something with the beep booping. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he he does shut off the light, and then immediately the microbrain hails them, and it's like more light. We are dying. <laughs> and Picard's this is where like, Picard, Picard just said, "Aha! Now I got your ass." <laughs> no, he's like, but "We he didn't, didn't want you. We don't want to kill you. We don't want you to die." Um, and we think you are lying. But Picard's like, "No, we just want to end this war." <laughs> and so, since it's dying, it kind of has no choice, and it's like, "Okay, we give up. War over." <laughs> <laughs> And wants to go home to the wet sand. Um, 
so they they bring up the lights of the lab just a little bit and they're like are you better now okay he's he's better and picard's like do you believe us now that we mean you no harm and they say yeah good it is important that you trust us says picard and this <laughs> says i'm gonna read this not yet you are still too arrogant too primitive come back three centuries perhaps <laughs> then we trust <laughs> this is a weird good. specific thing like i kind of like that it's like it like tells them like okay 300 years from now you can come on back we'll give you another chance then <laughs> yeah so they they beam them back to the planet and um which why did Riker have to go into the lab to do that i don't, I don't understand know. he just kind of wanted to look at it he wanted to ponder the dumb crystal mm-hmm. orb maybe he wanted to see if it was going to shoot him or not maybe I, I i would be a little worried about that i don't know he could have just not gone in i don't know i don't know what maybe he just wanted to verify that it was still on the table maybe i don't understand how their transports work uh but data regrets that they couldn't learn more about them and then picard's like in time when we're better prepared and we also get mandel lamenting that i had wanted to create life but i nearly destroyed the life that was already there how ironic and um so they apologize to the crystal and, and send respects before they beam it back down to the planet also and then, then the wrap-up scene is uh, Picard has declared an indefinite quarantine for the planet, and they leave. And he says, "Perhaps the lesson we have learned from this near tragedy will prevent it from happening elsewhere." No, 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 no. There's not really a moral here. No. Was, the moral is weird. If we didn't somebody... get a moral. Where, moral where is... was the moral? Moral is the that moral... I'm gonna double down. This episode sucked. <laughs> <laughs> the moral is if if you're on another planet. And there's things communicating to you through geometric patterns. There's probably life there. Stop murdering them. That's the moral. The moral is get your head out of your ass. Forget about your timetables. Don't kill these nice fireflies. Merc, I know that we said that nothing happened during the last episode. Nothing happened during this episode. (laughs) That's not true. We got to see Data play with the laser drill. And um, uh, we got to see Louisa Kim cry. And... Uh, nothing happened you know there's this episode will be where, more exciting there's that part where Jordy got blasted with light and he said ow my eyes <laughs> I, <laughs> <missed that>. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that no the next couple episodes we're going to be talking about are more, are more interesting I promise okay. I'm excited. Uh, this this was kind of a bleh episode of the podcast, but next time we got Coming of Age, which is a very good Wesley episode. Uh, I'm actually just yes, gonna yes, right yes, now yes, post yes. this screenshot for Hayes to look at because it's from MMO Alpha. It's just like good screenshot. Oh, yeah. Look at him, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Coming of Age is next week, and we also have Heart of Glory. We got a Klingon episode. Borf finally gets to do things. <gasps> yeah. Borf gets an episode. Oh my god! It only Borf took gets an episode. It only took 19 episodes. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Everybody pretty much gets an episode except for uh, Jordy. Why does Jordy not get an episode in season one? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was the episode where he was uh, laying on the table, being uh, having the. Uh, maybe that was the one. The one where everyone was having sex. You know, that was. Him. <laughs> was that, was like that his that episode? Was his episode. Yeah. I don't feel like that was his episode. He was in it. I, don't know. I remember it because he was laying on the table rubbing his nipples, and it was very memorable to <laughs> no, me. He's, he, all, all Jordy does during the episode is that he gets the he gets drunk within like the first five minutes, and then is strapped to a table for like thirty minutes straight. And he's really sad about his eyeballs not working. 
That, yeah. that was his whole whole arc in that episode. Yeah, there you go. It's all about him. Mark, I miss Q. <laughs> I miss Q. I miss when Q was in these episodes. He was so much fun. Q will be here later, Hayes. I promise he'll come back oh, someday. Yeah. It'll be a while, though. <sighs> yeah, we got a lot of shit to get through. <laughs> We're almost out of this. But I, I'm the excited next couple to episodes get a, are in the batch. I'm excited that we get a Wesley and a Worf back-to-back episode. Uh royale here oh i'm so excited It'll yeah i don't fun. actually remember the wharf episode uh so the episode itself might not be great but the wharf is in it and uh it's about him so you, you get some wharf we do get klingon lore which is good we always is, want is more of that yeah is it's it? interesting mm-hmm. it's cool you get mm-hmm. people being dumb klingon people with weird <laughs> stuff that's i feel like that's racist to say mcfreeze well I guess. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to Beat Me to Sick Bay. If you have any questions or comments about the show, give us an email at beatmetosickbay at gmail.com. As always, thank you, McFreeze. Thank you, Hayes, for being here and talk about these uh, exciting episodes of Star Trek. I'm sorry for making this episode late. My internet kept dying yesterday. It was horrible. Oh no! It wasn't just it wasn't just you. It was a it was a group effort that we decided to delay the episode for a day. So don't worry, everybody. We'll be back next Monday with episode ten. Oh, ten whole episodes of the show already. Wow. Well, I guess this is only nine, so don't count your chickens. But thank you guys again for listening. We will see you next week. Have a wonderful day. Bye bye. Bye bye.